So I think in an ideal world, I would love to see more collaborations between the art and science community in general. I know we as, uh, we as a society kind of view the two as polar opposites, but it would be really great to see things like scientists working alongside with artists to produce larger projects that would invoke more interest from the public into um, learning more important information that scientists would want them to know or, or want them to be aware of. Um, and I feel like if they could do that through a unique medium such as art, um, people would certainly be more interested and more engaged in information that they're trying to put out to the world. Greetings fellow explorers and welcome to the 17th episode of Kikoskopy 101, the podcast that explores the nexus between science, story, wonder and philosophy with me, your host Dr. Yanis Kisten. And today I had a chat with an artist who delves into a bit of uh, marine science and environmentalism with her art. And it was quite an interesting chat and I hope that uh, you know more of this will come about. But without further ado, let's get into the depths of science art with Kier of Umwelt. All right, welcome to the show, Kier. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat to you. You're the first science artist, uh, or is it a sci artist? I know there is a hashtag sci art all over Instagram and <laughs> Twitter, uh, but do you call yourself yeah, a sci yeah. artist? What do you refer to yourself as? I'm not too sure. Uh, since I kind of, I guess, since I do fall into the category of both, I would refer to myself as a sci artist. Um, hmm. But because I'm so focused on art, sometimes I'm not sure if it's I'm like one or the other. <laughs> you know. <laughs> For sure. So, so uh, what do you do in general? Like, what? Do you, who are you in this moment? What are you doing in this space? Um, so, sure thing. Uh, my name is Carolyn, but I'm more commonly known as my online alias, which is Kier. Um, I run a small business called Umbelt, which I started January of 2020. And last, um, and my mission through Umbelt is to inspire a sense of compassion and respect for the ocean and its inhabitants through a combination of education, fundraising, um, and art. So I design and draw all of my own products, which I then sell through an online uh, online store. And my goal is to have people engage and enjoy my products enough to learn the reason. Um, behind why I choose specifically to focus on marine themed art for my work. And that all goes back into raising awareness and educating people about uh, what's going on with our oceans today and why it's so important to advocate for conservation um, across all sorts of marine life. And how did, like, what sparked the idea of um, using marine science and marine biology as a focus for your art and e commerce? To be, to be honest, like I've always just had a really strong passion for marine biology. Um, it stemmed all the way back from when I was a kid, just growing up. My mom purchased old cassette tapes of, you know, Blue Planet that I'd watch and just rewatch growing up. Um, and then in high school, I ended up becoming a volunteer in education interpretation at my local aquarium for about two years before graduating high school and attending university. So the easiest way to say it is just... I just really like fish and I find the ocean fascinating. So I just want to share that out with the world because I know there's this stigma like the ocean is a really big and scary place and there's things you should be afraid of. But um, I think it's just we as humans are afraid of the things that we don't know. So the more we learn about it, I feel that that uh, fear can be quelled through knowledge. For sure. I mean, knowledge is, is 
I think a part of the, the human experience in terms of mm-hmm. we always strive to to try and know more things, but each I think human being tries to know different things. But that kind of, that's kind of the problem when it comes to to the environment because we I think as a general species are not really aware of the impacts that we are having, not really aware about how life functions in general. Um, and sometimes decisions, 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 <laughs> decisions are made um, that are not in line with, you know, protecting the environment or even doing things in a sustainable way that we can continue doing in the future without just everything blowing up. So I'm really happy that you're doing something in the space. Um, so how how do you exactly mesh all of that into to your art how do you go about deciding how to design these things and what to say so at the moment uh i have like two different methods where i try to work with it depends on the kind of message that i want to convey to my audience in particular um so the two focuses i work with are in education and in conservation so one of them, which is run through my Patreon, focuses on uh, primarily on education. And that kind of works as a fun monthly subscription club deal. So supporters will uh, receive different sorts of items monthly, depending on a tier that they sign up for. And most of the rewards just feature different animals to learn about each month. And all in all, it's just a more fun and interactive way of getting to learn new things about different animals each month. Um, it's done on a much more consistent schedule because it's done monthly. Uh, versus conservation projects, which are done a little less frequently. And then the latter, which is conservation projects, are usually decided through current events. So there's um, there are larger scale projects that happen when I tend to hear about news in the scientific community that I feel is really crucial to share and spread with the public. Um, conservation projects also focus more on fundraising and raising awareness. So usually 100% of the profits for whatever item I choose to design for that project is donated towards organizations that are committed to um, helping the cause that I'm trying to advocate for, uh, whether that's through additional research or um, additional funding for conservation efforts. Okay, so it's it's a mixture of um, crowdfunding, engagement, and, and e-commerce, I, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds actually like a lot. Do you, do you ever feel overwhelmed yeah. by all the stuff that you do? <laughs> Definitely. So that's um, some of the challenges that I definitely deal with in this business. Um, just decide, you know, the process of just starting a business is already a huge risk up front because we're talking about financial investments. We're talking about research into marketing, which I didn't know the first thing about, obviously, because I was mm. a brain bio student, you know, not a student for financial information or business or marketing. Uh, and and you are right. In addition to that, I am currently the only person that uh, works and runs Umbel, meaning I do literally every single aspect of my job that a larger business would usually have multiple people um, employed to take care of. So outside of Patreon and outside of those conservation projects, I also run my online store. And that's something that I have to pack and ship from my own home. That's something I have to design on like a spare time, um, dealing with customer service and stuff like that. That's, that's all the things I have to deal with, too. So what are some of the other challenges you've faced um, on this journey? So th- that's 
that's certainly one of them. Um, the problem of just trying to run an entire business by myself is a huge, uh, huge mm-hmm. challenge I currently face because I think especially with the COVID virus going on right now, it's very difficult to find additional help, especially because I work from home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, I think balancing art and research and trying to convey scientific knowledge in a way that's easily digestible to the average person mm-hmm. uh, without them thinking that, you know, it's too boring or it's like too much information for them to actually uh, process through their heads. Because, you know, a lot of people nowadays, uh, because of, you know, their engagement in social media, we see things like um, TikTok videos and things like that that are really shortened because it keeps people's really short, um, you know, their attention spans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my goal is to try to, con- you know, condense all this information that, you know, I think um, the science community, because, you know, where we went to university, we're accustomed to big fancy words that uh, people who didn't study science don't quite understand. So um, balancing the that you know are and then combining that into something that's easily digestible for people to understand uh, is another challenge that I have to deal with um, because ultimately the goal is to attract people through visual art and have them drawn in and want to know more about it and um, getting them to understand the message without confusing them is is just like a key factor that I try to keep in mind mm-hmm. um, and just figuring out that balance is a huge part of my job. Um, so drawing something that's attractive to people, but having it carry vital information um, that's easy to understand. And that's something that I'm still learning how to do um, because I just started Unvault last year. I'm hoping that as Unvault grows more and more in the future, that my work will gradually improve along with it um, as I learn more and more through experience. For sure, for sure. It's still early days for a company, uh, one year. Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, when somebody subscribes to your Patreon, like, like, how do they engage? What do they do? What do they get exactly? My public shop is just reserved for um, things that I release out to the public. And then mm. part of subscribing to my Patreon is you have that exclusive access, right? So, um, aside just, um, for example, giving them early access to my shop and things like that, um, I run, like I mentioned before, it works as a kind of monthly subscription box. So um, every month I try to design something new that I don't release to the public. It is exclusive just for Patreon. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be like uh, infographic cards. So postcards that people can enjoy that have additional information on the backside where they can learn about the specific animal that I choose to focus on that month. Mm-hmm. Um there's like enamel pins that have like fun, fun fact backing cards with them. So there's like little miniature facts that they can read that go along with like a, a pretty item that they might really like. Um, so part of that was just trying is just trying to incorporate because people, especially now nowadays, like they're very materialistic because, um, you know, obviously um, online shopping has gotten popular and shopping has always been popular in general, right? We love purchasing things and we love like showing them off. We love wearing them or whatever reason we decide to purchase items um, that it just kind of satisfies that little um, dragon hoarder, that little dragon that lives in our heads that wants to hoard yeah. everything, right? Everything yeah. that's shiny, everything that's like nice and expensive or really pretty and attractive to the eye. We yeah. just want to hoard it, right? Um, so I kind of figured like, if I can get people, you know, if I can trigger that part of people where I want this, but because, you know, we already know it's there, you know, people constantly will, there's a constant demand for 
for unique products and a constant demand for stuff that's pretty or things that people will enjoy. Um, so trying to trigger that and then in the process kind of like, you know, slide them some information like, hey, you know, you already purchased this. Yeah. Here's yeah. some cool information that you can learn about um, yeah. in exchange because you've already purchased this item. That's something that I've been trying to work with. So um, in the artist community, um, things like postcards or stickers, that's something that people are really fond of. Um, so I try to incorporate stuff like that that's um, a little easier to produce because um, I do a lot of research for these postcards. So working on one postcard can take me anywhere to uh, anywhere from about six to 12 hours to do. Um, and then I have to get these products ready a month ahead before so I can ship them out properly to people um, when that month actually comes around. So um, I try like a lot of it goes into research with producing items that are easier to produce and don't have too long of a turnaround time. And then um, figuring out if it's an item that people do want. So if it's like postcards or stickers or a pin that they can wear or um, anything like that, that also ties along into how Patreon works. Um, and I, I think that's pretty much it um, because it's exclusive. People are more. Uh, enticed to join because only patrons will get access to all these rewards and because mm -hmm. the rewards change up monthly you know um it's really difficult to like i want this thing and then oh, i can always go back and get, like get it later you know it's yeah. always like well we're always moving on we're always learning about new uh new things every single month so you know it's it's always good just to come join us and uh just learn about something new every single uh, month that you might not have known before for sure and i mean i would suspect that the you know Patreon community would be more engaged with with your content than you know a, a average follower. Right, right. It's definitely a group of people who uh, choose to invest and commit to me personally, just because whether it's because they like my art or they like um, the reason why I'm working, you know, the reason why I chose to start Humble in the first place and things like that. So it is really neat to have such a unique community that really supports what mm. I do. Um, just, I guess, just personally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would also suspect it might be a good place to, to gather data and information onto what you might then use in the store. Um, mm, yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, you, you've only been around for like 13, 14 months, right? Um, so, well, the store, not you personally, but the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know whether like you, you might have any inkling, but like, how do you think the landscape changed? Like from when you started and things started changing with COVID? Um, and now things are now changing and now we have, have a vaccine rollout. Like how has engagement changed over that time? How has business changed over that time? Have you seen any trends? So definitely when COVID hit and we got, we saw, we did see a lot of those in-person access places did uh, shut off. A lot of people did start turning to online and e-commerce which is really helpful in me growing my business, especially because I am entirely an e-commerce run business. Um, before COVID happened, I actually, I, ha I ran like a smaller shop in, in university. Um, and that's actually where I had some experience prior to mm -hmm. deciding to run this, you know, now much larger business. Um, I didn't actually plan to start Umbel. It kind of sort of happened 
when I was stuck at a crossroads because my um, the little shop that I had before didn't really focus too much into like the science aspect. It was kind of more, um, you know, like show like popular anime shows and um, fandom things. And um, mm. that was really neat because, you know, you connect with a different sort of community um, and you make different relationships that you would in a scientific community. Mm. Um, so that, that sort of relationship with art is uh, really what kind of put me at a crossroads when I was close to finishing up university, I was kind of deciding, you know, um, art became really important to me because marine biology has always been a passion for me. Um, but as I started to get more and more, uh, more and more involved in the art community over the past, like past few years, um, mm. when I started drawing more and being more active in university, um, I had to kind of come to like a choice because it was really, it's really difficult. Like you don't see too many opportunities where you can work in art and in science and have like a good balance of both. You know, it's like mm -hmm. science tends to stick with science and art tends to stick with art. Um, so I just kind of brainstormed from there and I was like, well, I already have, like I, I have experience from starting this online shop. Um, and I kind of know like, you know, the, how it works like behind the scenes, like the process of designing your products, um, learning a little bit about marketing, especially through social media, because everybody uses social media nowadays, um, how that is and how that plays in like a key factor into advertising um, and just stuff like that in general. So from there, I was just like, well, why don't I put two and two together? Um, I really do like marine biology. I had experience from um, I had my volunteer experience from high school where I primarily did a lot of education. And that was something I found out that I really enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed sharing knowledge with people. I enjoyed, you know, condensing this information in a way that it was easy for people to understand. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking, like, you know, if I can put those two together, if I can make products that can um, either spin a story to get people to kind of look more into what is the reason why I'm designing, you know, only ocean animals or only whales or, you know, only sharks or things like that, then they can kind of start to look in and, and see a little bit further. Um, and kind of that kind of like, I'm hoping that kind of pushes them into mm -hmm. um, wanting to learn more. And then hopefully that goes into, you know, tumbling down into education and then eventually getting them to want to advocate and, you know, protect the oceans. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so when did when did the artsy side of you start? Like, where where was the spark um, for doing that? So um, I started drawing since I was a kid too, but you know I wouldn't say it started off as a passion like it did mm. with marine biology. It was just kind of more of um, fun scribbles up until about late elementary school. Um, I saw a classmate of mine drawing, of course being 11 and super ambitious at the time, I was like, mm. well, I want to learn how to draw too. So I asked her to teach me how to draw. And then that's kind of where it started from there. Um, and then later on, when I went through middle school and high school, I got my first digital drawing tablet. Um, and then I made friends through an online art community, which really inspired me to draw more and further develop my skills. Cause I was in a social group that also drew and that really um, pushed me forward into improving my art. Um, so I mentioned this a little bit before, uh, while I, I attended university, I started up a small online shop with my best friend, um, just making and selling products like stickers, keychains, and all sorts of those like smaller knickknacks for um, fandom and anime related things. 
Um, and eventually we started looking into attending conventions as an, uh, as an independent artist through Artist Alley. Mm. Um, and if you're familiar, if, if you're unfamiliar with what Artist Alley is, it's kind of just like a, an artist flea market, uh, where mm. small creators are allowed to bring in their own creations and then sell them to convention attendees. So eventually I started traveling and attending conventions to just sell my stuff there. And then as I traveled more over time and I made more merchandise, um, my art just gradually improved, uh, gradually improved more because I was, you know, constantly drawing to produce um, new products. Yeah, for sure. I have quite a few friends who do similar things, you know, make mugs and, and various <laughs> tchotchkes that I met at, yeah, at Comic-Con. And it is, it's a cool and interesting culture. It's, it's very, I would say very free and fun. Um, yeah, at, yeah, least the, at least the people are. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always cool to buy something that um, is difficult to get otherwise sometimes. Uh, right. Or to, to see it. Because sometimes, you know, um, you, you just don't see certain things in a shop. Um, mm-hmm. Or you might know not know that it exists online, but mm-hmm. like you just see it at a convention, you're like, I'm just gonna get that. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I've got a few of those tchotchkes lying around. <laughs> um, it's okay. I know. I know. I do too. <laughs> I have my own share of little trinkets. Yeah, little trinkets. Yeah. Um, so, did you end up finishing your your uh, marine biology degree, or did you? So- actually didn't um and part of this reason um this is like a big i guess to be honest like an anxiety factor for me just because you know like you're not really i don't know if like how good of a reputation you can have because you know there's a stigma Uh about not completing if you know if you don't complete university you're pretty much like a failure and you know you need that higher education in order to access and while i do agree that education is very important um I think just while I was trying to figure out, you know, where what I wanted to do and go from here, um, I did really enjoy the science part of it. I really mm. did enjoy like the trips that I would, I would have to go on for my lab classes in marine bio. You know, all the fun dissections that we had got to do, and just the process of learning more. That was always something that was for me really uh, mm. interesting because I loved being engaged in hands-on experience. Um, but kind of as I thought more and more about my future and what exactly what uh, exactly what I wanted to do um I wasn't like there's a there's a lot of like really bright minds out there there's really smart like yeah there's really smart scientists who Mm -hmm. are doing a lot of good work and um I just kind of had this um idea like you know I think the problem the reason why people don't take science as seriously as it should be taken is because nobody is there necessarily to, you know, help translate that scientific, you know, jargon, like jargon into something that's, um, you know, a lot easier to understand. That's why you have like these things that happen in media where, you know, the nerd says something and then, you know, the jock ends up saying, you know, speak English nerd, like that kind of stuff. Um, is what really gets people mixed mm. up because, you know, we're talking about really, really important topics here, like things that will ultimately change our lives down the line, such as overfishing, climate change, and um, the fact that, like, predators or predatory species are dying, which is impacting the entire rest of the food chain out there. Um, 
And a lot of people don't really understand that or don't really care for it because, mm. you know, it's hidden behind this giant scientific wall that people tend to look at and go like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to deal with that. Um, mm. But through through a medium such as art, something that is um, kind of more popular and kind of easier, not easier to understand, but because it's. Um, more popular, right? We see media everywhere. We engage with media in our lives every day, whether that's through television, through um, art online, through books and things like that. Um, you know, when people ask you what your hobby is and you say, you know, you draw or, you know, you like to read a book, you like to watch movies and things like that. Um, it's all something that people consider as quote unquote fun. You know, you don't get too many people who answer when they're asked, like, what's your hobby? Like, I like to go outside and study fish you know mm. um so that's really the reason why i ended up deciding to drop out of university because it was getting to a point where um like i had to stick with i felt like i had to stick with one road or the other mm. you know it was at a point where like either i need to finish up my degree and you know pursue a path that really focuses on education and then because you know if i'm going to be doing that i don't know if i can keep up with that aspect of art anymore which had become a really important part of my life um or you know i can go down that art path which i don't really know where it would take me but i really didn't want to i didn't really want to leave that aspect of marine science behind because that was something that i really treasured my whole life so um, in the end, I just kind of thought like, well, I've had experience before from running this tiny shop. And so I would really like it if I can end up trying to combine the two. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where I decided like to drop out of university and really try to focus on that. Because um, I'm sure as you know, like running a business, um, just that single aspect of it is really difficult because it's such a huge risk up front. But if I really wanted to make it work, I need to, to invest like 100% of my time into it and not, you know, struggle with um, running this and potentially losing money because to prioritize school. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's actually takes a lot of you know, courage to, to quit something like that that you've been so invested in for a long time. Um, I'm kind of like the opposite. Like I, I decided I want to be a marine biologist when I was a kid, and I ended up becoming one. And I'm, I'm, I'm a postdoc, um, but I also identified, you know, what you identified in 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 undergrad. I identified it in PhD. Yeah, that, and I also wanted to get into science communication and and you know education, and that's what this podcast is about. You know, um, so. I think it takes a lot of courage to to because you were so invested and you probably had like money and time involved, but you knew um, that you wanted to do something else that was also very important. So having that courage to to quit, I think, is is underrated. Um, and I think degrees and pieces of paper that tell you you're qualified are overrated these days. Like you probably <laughs> learned a good two degrees just doing things, you know, and learning online about business and actually doing, actually selling, actually marketing. Um, you're actually doing stuff, you know, that, that kids take three, four years to, to study before they actually do anything. So. Um, like, yeah, I, I don't think you should feel anxious problem. about it. I think you you took <laughs> action, uh, and you and you you're doing stuff, and, and it's useful. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I I don't like. I think you know, my generation 
Um, I you, you're a bit younger than me, probably. But I think we were sold a lie that degrees are this, <laughs> this, this up, utmost, like this, this golden thing in the sky that if you get one, you set for life. And in some cases, that might be true. You know, like a, a like a, a medical doctor or an engineer. If you get yeah, you get yeah, one of, of those, you're probably fine. But they're difficult. Um, uh-huh. I think actually doing um, the thing that you're really passionate about and you're really interested I think that's more in this day and age where a lot of the economy is, is getting um, gigified you know and, and there's, there's you don't necessarily have to have one job anymore or you could switch careers right. and you could just stop whatever you're doing just like you did and do something else um, oh, I really appreciate that for sure because mm-hmm. that's always this sort of uh, anxiety factor just in the back of my head like is somebody looking down on me for um, not completing education or like do they think I'm qualified enough to um, you know be talking about marine biology and spreading information because I don't mm-hmm. have this big fancy degree on my wall and things yeah. like that you know yeah yeah, yeah. I think we should probably not worry too much about that stuff. Somebody, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you're doing like really wrong stuff, like some somebody will will, will correct you, and that's the end yeah, of that. Of you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's just mental blocks. I think um, people put in front of themselves, and I do it all the time myself. I'm probably my worst critic as well. <laughs> It's much easier to tell somebody else that you're doing fine than to tell yourself. So it's one of those things. But like I would use you as an example of somebody who is is doing well in this economy, you know, is, is uh, or in this culture, in this day and age. Like you, you realize you were going to be happier doing something else, and you just like went for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, there were points during my PhD where I was so tired and, and done with academia that I wanted to quit. But I ended up, like, continuing with it. Um, so, like, I'm on the other side of that spectrum from you. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you if you know something is right in, in your gut and you, you want to go for it, um, and, so, and like in the long term, it's probably going to be better for your happiness than, than yeah. you know, just wasting time. Because time is <laughs> short. Life is like time is short in life. Yeah. So from your short time as uh, a business person, somebody doing e-commerce, um, what kind of tips and tricks would you have for somebody else who wants to kind of move away from from academia and do something like uh, make a business around environmentalism and science and anything like that so um i think aside just the same really just having the patience and the perseverance is the best advice i can give um i know that sounds like a very simple and unhelpful mm. piece of advice but everybody starts off from somewhere. Um, you know, nobody just suddenly decides I'm going to make money off my art or I'm going to start a business and then suddenly mm. gain 10,000 followers and become yeah. a quote unquote yeah. successful business owner that overnight. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I know I mentioned that I only started Umbel in January of 2020. Um, and I've been, po- but outside of that, I've been posting my art online and developing a curated audience yeah. that is invested and suited for me um, for about eight years. 
So I started posting my art online more frequently in 2013. And then I started my um, small shop business with my friend in 2015. Um, and then that whole process of just making money from my art and then, you know, investing the profits that I made into more of my business. So, it, I, you know, I couldn't take that profit and immediately pay for bills. You know, I had to immediately invest it and keep growing my business. And just that whole process didn't really become financially stable for me um, as a job until like really last year. Um, so believe me when I say that a ton of growth doesn't happen overnight yeah. outside of art. There's, a, you know, there's a ton of factors that go into the success of trying to monetize your art or just building up a business in general, such as proper understanding of social media algorithms. Um, audience engagement, marketing, all that fancy stuff really plays a huge factor into how well that you're going, that your business is going to be. Um, growth comes slowly, you know, um, and understanding the importance of delayed gratification and the concept that success doesn't come right away, but rather develops gradually as you invest more and more into your work are really the key points to take away from anyone attempting to start a business in general or just make money off their art. Um, you may be successful and you may make back money or you, um, yeah, you may make back money or you may lose money. Um, ultimately when you look into investing your time and your money into anything, it'll always be a risk, but, um, whether or not you take your losses as a lesson to improve versus a sign of discouragement and failure is really what will determine, um, your level of success in the future. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> Mm, sorry. <laughs> success success does not come overnight. I don't know. I've been podcasting for right. a good five years. <laughs> I've got a very small audience now. Um but I think one one of my problems is just consistency. Um I haven't right. had like I haven't had a consistent thing going for a long while. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and like especially with when you're advertising online, consistency is such a huge player in um bumping up your business or your podcast because the algorithm like social media algorithms really favor that consistency and it, it partly goes into like you know we, we want you to use our site more so we're going to bump you up if you you know talk on our site more frequently mm. but um opposite wise you know I, I had a friend who was recently interviewed by instagram um and that's a really huge marketing platform for me to work with as well like i have more followers on instagram than i do on twitter and that's because of how marketable Instagram is with um, how easy it is to connect with people. Um, but my friend did this interview with somebody from Instagram and they actually punish you if you're not posting consistently. So, you know, like, especially, you know, if you and I are introverts, for example, we already, you know, we use a ton of our energy to socialize. And when we do, we just kind of want to go back home and take a rest and don't talk to me for the rest of the day kind of thing. Mm. Um, that kind of energy goes right back into social media as well. There's just some people who, you know, are really tired because social media moves so fast and there's everybody that's talking about different things at once. It's really draining and, and takes a lot of energy to keep up with. So um, social media is, you know, part of my job. It is what I do. And um, not all part, not all aspects of my job can be fun and exciting, you know, and social media yeah, is really job, yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really that, that consistency is key. That's yeah. also another thing that I do want to emphasize with people. So 
how, how, how are you planning to use social media and anything else to try and grow and scale your business in, in the future? Do you have any thing you are, any goals you're trying to hit in certain ways? Do you have any plans um, or are you just writing it out? <laughs> so I, I am pretty much just writing it out because to be honest, I haven't really thought too far into how I want to grow Umbel even further than mm. where it's already at. Um, I kind of joked around with my friends like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if my products ended up in an aquarium gift shop? Um, mm. But then as Umbel actually got bigger and bigger, I, I started to consider the idea like, you know what, it actually be pretty neat if... I got to have my stuff featured in a place that encouraged and nurtured education like aquariums did for me growing up. Um, so I think for now, I, I'd love to try and find more opportunities to work alongside organizations um, just to like create products for the purpose of raising awareness and informing people more about like the fascinating world that is marine biology. And um, currently as somebody who works from home and does a majority of their research at, at home and online, um, I'm always looking for more ways to stimulate my brain and learn more through experience. Um, I know that's pretty limited for me because I am somebody who dropped out of university, so I'm not going to get a ton of, you know, boat opportunities because I don't have a degree. That's just kind of how it works mm -hmm. for a lot of places, um, I'm sure, like around the world, you know. Um, and I know this coronavirus thing is still hanging around us pretty heavily, but when it's safer to travel, I'd also love to look more into um, participating in things like citizen science expeditions and sharing my experiences um, in hopes of encouraging people to get involved in their own community and inspiring them to advocate um, for protection once they have that sort of experience. Because then having that really having that hands-on experience connects you personally to whatever it is that you're working on. So that's something that I really want to work towards in the future as well. Um, for sure. And I know, I know it's not really like a business oriented goal, um, but I run my business because it's my passion. And so mm -hmm. even though I'm not really thinking about things like how to statistically grow my business or statistically grow my earnings or my following, um, I like to think that at least I do, if, you know, if I do what I love, then the people who do choose to support me will choose to do so for that very reason. And, you know, not just see me as, um, just like a business online. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking of like, what, what would be like the right term for like cultural appropriation, but for science, like is it science appropriation? <laughs> like you right. don't really care, but you're trying to profit off. <laughs> I, I suppose there are a lot of big corporations that are science appropriation, right. just destroying everything. Yeah. Did we just See coin you a new term? <laughs> Where do we submit it? <laughs> So how do you think um, the landscape for you, for your business and, and for your engagement opportunities is going to shape and change um, in the future? How would you like it to change? Like what things would you like to happen in terms of social media, in terms of um, just general consumer behavior, maybe like what would you like to see over the next like five, 10 years? Um. So I think in an ideal world, I would love to see more collaborations between the art and science community in general. I know we as, uh, we as a society kind of view the two as polar opposites, but it would be really great to see things like scientists working alongside with artists to produce larger projects that would invoke more interest from the public into um, learning more important information that scientists would want them to know or, or want them to be aware of. Um, and I feel like if they could do that through a unique medium such as art, 
um, people would certainly be more interested and more engaged in information that they're trying to put out to the world. Um, I don't see a ton of opportunities like that, especially because I mentioned before, science tends to stick with science and art stick with art. Um, but a collaboration between the two would be a really, really unique opportunity to get people to understand something as complex as science um, a little easier when it's done through such a familiar and popular medium like art. So that's it's it's I, I can't you know, that's something that's not really in my control at the moment. Um, hmm. But I would really like to eventually start um, building up and my relationships and my connections and, you know, reaching out to scientists and, you know, talking to them and being like, you know, how can I convey this information in a way that the public will be interested in and will want to care about? Um, so that's that's kind of what I would like to see in the future is more opportunities for, you know, scientists to be open with working with artists and trying to work together in order to put out information that, you know, they can get the general public to care about. Yeah. For sure. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's starting to happen. I think science communication and in all these various different forms, I think it's starting to grow, um, whether it's podcasting or animation or um, just video content creation, whatever. So I think there is a space to grow there. I think it will take people like you to try and find a way to, to bridge the gaps. Um, because science is, is such a, it's, it's, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. Like you're going to have to focus on, on your work if you want to be successful. Um, I think that's one of the, one of the, like one of the reasons why it's difficult to cross that barrier between science and, and, and art and content creation, because scientists are usually busy making science. Um, of course. And. Um, some of them aren't really, or might not even know that, you know, getting their voice out there to the public might be important or they think somebody else is going to do it. Um, so I think as, you know, the world becomes more and more connected and, and interconnected, I think there will be more opportunities. There will be entrepreneurs that will have new ideas and, and all businesses and try and bridge the gap. Um, or maybe governments might even intervene and start funding, you know, science communication pro That's the hope. <laughs> funding science communication right, pro hope, right? pro projects and, and try and, and build. And I think going into the future now, I think bridging the gaps between all different stakeholders and whether it's scientists, whether it's just a man fishing in a river, whether it's artists, whether it's podcasters, whether it's that nasty company that's dumping nuclear waste somewhere. Right, uh, right, of course. Getting more, um, you know, conversations between everybody is going to be really important. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy that some, that people like you exist. <laughs> so we have <laughs> pe people in that end to try and, and, uh, help convey the important messages to the public in fun and enticing ways. Um, so I think we've done, uh, a nice chat, uh, on science communication using art and, and e-commerce. So why don't you let our lovely audience know where they can find you and your work on the internet? Uh, sure thing. So I have an Instagram and a Twitter and then a Patreon. Um, and then you can also find me on my shop, which is umbelt.fish. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure if I should like say the names or anything like that, but I'm assuming sure. you know, I can just give you the, yeah. the usernames and you can include I'll, them. In I'll your have book. the links here yeah, in the in the description. Right, of course. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So thank you for joining me. It was a fun chat. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was very fun to talk about these things, and I I don't get to do this very often, so this is really a unique experience for me. Thank you for having me. Cool. Cheers.